Good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone who is watching online as well. Um, if you are watching online as well, write something in the comments. Um, and come join us next week in person. Uh, we'd love to see you in person uh, if you're able to make it here. Uh, wanted to let you know, on Friday of this week and Saturday, we're having spring cleaning days. So if you love to clean and organize, come to the church those days. And they're going to be cleaning out the church. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we have Holy Week services the week of Easter. So that's April 2nd through the 9th. Every day at noon, there will be a service here. Uh, it's a short service, and then you can go up for lunch right afterwards. So even if you're coming on your lunch break, you should have time. Um, and it's a great service every day with great speakers. Palm Sunday, which is going to be April the 2nd. Look at this. We're going to have a bake sale on Palm Sunday. And I'm going to tell you the secret, all right? You can buy tons of stuff on Palm Sunday, put it in your freezer or your refrigerator, and then bring it out for Easter and act like you made it. And it'll be lots of, lots of good stuff, I promise. Um, April the 8th is our Easter egg hunt for the children. And Catherine's right there. If you want to help, you want to donate candy or you want to do something, let Catherine know you want to help. She will put you to work, I promise you. Um, and lastly, I would let you know that on your, um, your sheet that you got as you came in with the calendar, if you scan that QR code, it will take you to everything on the church website and you can see everything going on so you don't miss out on anything. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this morning. We pray that you'll calm our hearts and our minds, help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. With grateful and cheerful hearts, let's now give unto the Lord because he has been so good to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with another day. Thank you for making us able to give the strength of our lives, our hands and our feet in service for you, our voices to sing your praises. And these tithes and offerings, Lord, take them and bless them, and bless the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please be seated. We come to the time of the service that we all need, right? We all need the prayer time. Raise your hand if you, if you could use a little extra prayer. Yeah, we need to, um, to lift up our friends and neighbors and ourselves. We need to celebrate and say, thank you, Lord, for all the good things that God is doing in our lives. So um, if you have a prayer request you'd like to give to us, you can email it to us, fumc at fumcgadsden.org. You can, if you're worshiping by live stream, you can type it in the comment box, fill out a card, give it to us. We have a prayer team that meets every Wednesday. We do pray for your requests and we like to join in your celebrations. If you've got a new grandbaby or a great grandbaby or something great has happened and God's answered your prayer, let us know about that. We'd love to hear that too. Will you take time with me and let's bow together and pray. Our gracious God, sometimes we get in such a hurry that we forget to just pause and to acknowledge that you are God, which carries with it the good news that we are not. We are we're not in charge. And sometimes we think we have control of everything, we have a handle on everything, and then something happens that reminds us how little control we do have. But we know the King, the Sovereign of the universe, who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us, and who invites us into his presence as his beloved children. So what more could we ask for except just to say thank you, Lord. You know the needs of our hearts before we even ask them, but we ask anyway, because you have said to bring them before you, to be anxious in nothing, but in everything with praise and thanksgiving, to let our requests and our supplications be made known to you. And then you promised peace that passes all understanding to keep our hearts. So, we boldly come before you and lift up our neighbors. Lord, there are those around us that need a, a, a physical healing. They, they are crying out to you. There are those who need emotional healings, who are so deep into to grief and pain that, that their hearts are crying out to you. And God, we know you hear those cries and we know that you love us. There are those, Lord, who don't know how they're gonna pay their next bill or where their next meal is gonna come from. Lord, there are people in our community that don't have a roof over their heads, people that are caught in the web of addiction, those who don't know where to turn. God, we need you. Will you hear the cries of our hearts, the ones that are spoken and the ones that are unspoken? And will you teach us to pray the prayer even now that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our children are going to go with Miss Catherine to Children's Church. Oh, by the way, moms and dads. Oh, thank you. Now you're awake. You can hear this. This coming Wednesday is March Madness. Don't forget to bring those kids to March Madness. And they're going to have fun. The rest of us, we're going to sing a song that was, this song is not quite as old as I am, but it's still a good one. It's number 367, He Touched Me. Will you stand as you're able to and sing this hymn?
I want to say, um, just I, I sometimes forget to say this, but we we have an amazing uh, music program here, and um, um, Benny, I want to put a request in for uh, that prelude for whatever my last Sunday happens to be here. You, I was already uh, I was already called to worship by the time we got called to worship. I want to thank um, Ezra for directing our choir today. Uh, JT is on the way back from San Jose, uh, where he went for a, a, a conference out there. I could not go to San Jose with him because I don't know the way to San Jose. <laughs> oh, I'm glad y'all got that. All right. But I, I, I'm so proud of the way uh, our, our choir and our music uh, department uh, gets this great young talent in and develops it and then shares it with us. It's fantastic, fantastic. Um, John chapter 9 is our scripture today. We're going to read the whole chapter, and it's, it's a wonderful story. It's, it's just we can't leave any of it out. So uh, please join me or, or just listen if you've heard this story before, pretend you're hearing it for the first time. Follow along with us. It's going to be up on the screen for you there, too. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of, of him who, who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's somebody, someone who looks like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I, sent, I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Uh, is it, uh, it was your eyes that... He opened, he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus as the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? 
He answered, I've told you already, but you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then he reviled them, saying, You are his disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but does listen to the one who worships and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and now you're trying to teach us. And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard that this, that he said to them, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're talking about this morning, who's the real blind man in this story? Uh, because we know there are all different kinds of blindness, uh, more than just physical blindness. Maybe you've heard this old saying. Let me see if you can finish the sentence for me. There are none so blind as those who will not see. Yeah. We all know that we have blind spots. We all know that today's gospel lesson identifies several kinds of blindness. It's almost like, will the real blind man please stand up? And then as we read this today, as we look into the Gospels, as we look into God's Word all the time, it becomes a mirror for us, doesn't it? As we ask the Holy Spirit to open up our heart and open our eyes and see ourselves. So we know that the physical blindness is one of the kinds of blindness here. This was something that affected this man who was brought to the temple. This, this unnamed man who was born blind brought to the synagogue because, uh, well, what else could he do? There, he had no other options in his life except to get some friends to lead him down so that he could sit there and beg because that's all he knew to do. He had obviously suffered some kind of genetic disorder or something because he'd said he'd never seen before. He's born blind. So to, to think about never having seen his parents' faces, never having seen his family's faces, never having seen the beauty of God's nature around him. It is sad to think about being blind in a physical sense like that. But I have to say, it's the other kinds of blindness in this story that really kind of gripped me. Uh, the disciples are blind in a way. I, I call this theological blindness. Um, it was commonly believed in Jesus' day that suffering was directly linked to sin. It, it was a belief that's firmly rooted in the Old Testament. You remember the story of Job, how all those terrible things happened to Job. And Job's friends, see I'm using quotes, Job's friends came and said, Job, man, you need to repent because obviously you've done something really, really bad. And God is really, really angry with you. So do yourself a favor and just repent before you die. So this idea, although we read about it in Job and we think, uh, man, you know, they're, they're, they're so wrong. But this still lingers among us today. It lingers when, when we say uh, something bad happens. We say, well, where did I go wrong? God, why, why, do you, why are you angry with me? I, it's funny that we don't ask that same question when something really good happens. Why me, Lord? Why something good, you know? We just, why me, Lord, when something bad happens? And somewhere along the way, we've gotten this idea that, that if, 
if you're a Christian, then, then good things are going to happen to you. And if you're just like a total heathen, then, then bad things are going to happen to you. That is theological blindness. Because over and over again, we see good people who have bad things happen to them and bad people that have good things happen to them. And yes, you can be Christian. And unlike the prosperity gospel preachers tell you, you can be Christian and still be poor. And you can be a Christian and still be sick. You can be a Christian and still be depressed. You can be a Christian and still be in trouble or addicted or in prison. Yes, it doesn't work like that, that only good things happen. But the disciples couldn't see that. As a matter of fact, they couldn't even see this man. Did you notice in this story, the man doesn't even have a name. He's just that blind guy. Everybody saw him. Everybody knew who he was. He's there, that blind guy. But they got to thinking about it. And this, instead of seeing, here's a man that might could use some help, they saw, here's a, a chance for us to have a theological discussion with Jesus. Jesus, in your theological opinion, why is this guy blind? Is it because he sinned? Or is it because his parents sinned? Because, it, see, he was blind from birth. That kind of mentality goes on today it's like um some someone has something that well they thought that the sin could be passed from generation to generation which you know in a way we do see suffering passed on my my mother-in-law works in um the neonatal intensive care she volunteers as a baby rocker which is got to be the best volunteer job around because she just rocks babies all day and some of the babies in there are just crying constantly because they're born already addicted to drugs. The pain is passed on to them from generation to generation. But Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that it, it's not, that's not the way God is. Uh, God is, is a God who wants the best for his children, for all of his children. And yes, suffering is real. Yes, it happens. But it doesn't happen because God's angry with us. God doesn't send calamity on us because we have angered him in some way. God doesn't direct this hurricane to go and hit this community because they're bad and it skipped this community because they're good. That's not how it works. So there's all kinds of blindness going on. There's also the blindness of prejudice going on here. And so why do I say prejudice? Well, I go back to the way the community treated the blind man, who, remember, doesn't even have a name. He's just the blind man. And that's what prejudice does for us, doesn't it? It has us put people in boxes. This is the blind man. This is the rich man. This is the poor man. This is the foreigner, you know? We put people in boxes. And we want to leave them there because it's easier for us if we can have them in that box. And we don't think anybody can ever be anything other than what we have them in that box to be. Then you think about this blind man being a person that had gifts that he could offer the community. If you've ever worked with persons with handicapping conditions, you know how some people look. When I worked in United Cerebral Palsy, people would come up with these, these kids that had you know, tremendous physical uh, disabilities and, and they would get down in their face and and shout at them as if they were deaf uh, when these kids were bright and funny and smart and talented and all of this kind of stuff but that was them being put in a box you see we we get caught in this this blindness of prejudice when we don't leave room for change. We don't leave room for people to be other than that which we've categorized them to be. We don't even notice them anymore. We've got them firmly planted in their box. But Jesus saw this man as a person, a person who needed a touch. So the community, see when... when the man was healed and he came back. The community was so blinded by their previous notion of the man, they couldn't even believe it was him. Some said, oh, isn't this the guy? Isn't this the blind guy? No, well, he's seeing. He can't be. No, he's supposed to be the blind guy. Maybe it's just somebody that looks like the blind guy. 
That can't be him. We've already defined him. He's handicapped. We, we, we can't handle that. Our prejudice keeps us from seeing people other than how we've already boxed them in. Do you remember when Philip went to Nathaniel and said, hey, come and see Jesus. He's the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said in John chapter 1, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, for him, all people in Nazareth were, were hicks, and I, I, surely nothing good could come out of Nazareth. That's a kind of blindness, you see. I mean, we see an, uh, an intelligent and successful black man who has a thriving business, and we say, oh boy, isn't he a credit to his race? Isn't he articulate? Or we see a, a, a woman who has uh, risen to the top and is a CEO of a corporation or has achieved a high government office and say, well, you know, she just got that because she's a woman. She didn't really deserve that promotion. We place stereotypes on people. It makes us blind. And there are none so blind as those who will not see. There's another kind of blindness that is shown by the parents of this, this blind man. I don't know what to call it except emotional blindness. An emotional blindness that, that prevents uh, people from seeing how out of balance their priorities have become, right? The Pharisees asked them about their son and I uh, said, is this your son? Is he, you know, how did he, he was blind? How did he, how, how now can he see? And they said, well, why don't you just ask him? He's a grown up. And then John kind of lets us know what's going on here in the gospel. He says, they only said that because they were afraid that they would be kicked out of their social circle, their religious circle. They only said that out of fear. Their priorities were such that they could not see beyond their own self-interest. They could not even rejoice that their son could see their faces now because they were so worried about the opinions of other people. To give proper credit for this miracle would have meant that they would be kicked out. You know, sometimes we get hardened. We get emotionally blind. We get caught up in, I know, I know what being busy is like. You're busy, I'm busy, we all have busies. We all, we all are trying to, to, to grasp after the things that we're working hard for. But it, could it be that we've become blind in ways that maybe we, we, we need a touch of the master's hands? Then the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees is probably the most deadly blindness of all, to be spiritually blind. Jesus was a threat to them. Jesus, Jesus was a threat to them so much so that they began to nitpick. That's the, the first symptom of spiritual blindness, you see. You've been nitpicking because Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. And the fact that he spit and made little mud pies... Children, don't try this at home. Don't go home this afternoon and say, uh, Pastor Sam said for us to, to play blind man and see again and make little mud pies. Don't do that. But the fact that he had made little mud pies was considered work on the Sabbath. And for them, the fact that he'd broken the Sabbath made him a sinner because broken rules to them were more important than broken people. My goodness, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But don't we nitpick? Don't, don't, we, don't we nitpick? Are we not guilty of doing like Sherlock Holmes said to Dr. Watson, you see, but you do not observe? Aren't we guilty of our own spiritual blindness? More concerned with our hurt feelings? more concerned with the way things have always been than with celebrating the miraculous work of God even when it happens through 
some crazy way that we never thought of. I have seen this happen before. Um, growing up in the country and being around people that, you know, were people of the land, salt of the earth folks. Um, and I've seen, I, one of my um, dad's friends wore overalls all the time, over all the time, didn't matter. And, uh, and you would have thought by looking at him that he didn't have two nickels to rub together. But I saw him go into a car dealership one time. My dad told me about this. He went into the car dealership and the salesman was like, you know, I don't, I don't think we have anything cheap enough for you. And the man reached in the bib of his overalls and pulled out a wad of cash and paid cash for the, the vehicle he wanted. We are blind, are we not, sometimes? So back to our blind spots. We all have them. Pharisees had him. They looked at Jesus, the Messiah, and they saw him as a threat. Instead of a blessing, the, the blind man's neighbors looked at the man and they said, oh, this, this can't, this has got to be some mistake. The blind man's parents looked at their son and they said, we don't really want to get involved. The disciples looked at the blind beggar and said, who sinned anyway? Who, who sinned? And then our blind spots. You know, there is help for us in our blind spots. Thanks be to God. We, we can say to, to God, I need you to touch my eyes so that I see clearly. I need you to search my heart. Find those places in there that have been hardened and Find the places I've been blind. Touch my ears, Lord, so that I can hear the truth. And we can also bring around us people that will tell us the truth. Now we, look, everybody likes to be comforted. Everybody likes it when people are sweet to them. We like to, we like to say, bless your heart here in the South. We like to be nice to people. But sometimes somebody's got to tell you that you got bad breath. You need to go get a piece of gum. You know, somebody's got to tell you the truth. And look, my friend Eileen back there, if you get somebody to tell you the truth, she'll tell you, right? She'll tell you. Uh, no, we need people. I'm fortunately married to the love of my life who also happens to tell it like it is to me. Yeah. And we're blind from birth. You know, one of the reasons why I think this man in this story in John chapter 9 doesn't have a name is because we all are him. He is all of us. Blind, in need of a touch from God to help us do what we can't do for ourselves. Now, the blind man had to take a step of faith. I'm sure his eyes were stinging because nobody wants dirt rubbed in their eyes. I'm sure he was thinking, I must, I must look ridiculous. I, I, I don't, I'm going to have to have help. I can't even get to the right pool to wash in if I don't have people to help me. I'm going to have to trust that this is going to work. But God does great things. God opens blind eyes. And my prayer is that we will be able to say the, know, the greatest words. The words that, that John Newton wrote in that hymn that we sang, our opening hymn. The words that this blind man said, this blind beggar said, I once was blind, but now I see. I want to ask you to, to sing... Um, a closing hymn with me that is a prayer that kind of goes along with this. It is hymn number 454, Open My Eyes That I May See. Will you stand together as you're able and sing this hymn with me?
Now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen.